0: Welcome today to all of our One Prayer churches. This is our third year being involved in One Prayer, and we consider it such an honor to share with you. My name is Stephen Furtick. I'm the pastor of a phenomenal group of people called Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I remember when Pastor Craig Groeschel first called and shared the vision of One Prayer with me. And I thought that's just about the most brilliant kingdom-minded thing I've ever heard of in my life. It's about time that the church of Jesus started being known for what we're for, not what we're against, and started standing together for the gospel. And I love our theme this year, unstoppable. What a great thing to say about the church of Jesus. We are unstoppable. I believe that with all my heart. I, I believe that... This is not the time for the church to back down. These days that we live in are dark, but it's time for the church to rise up and shine for the glory of God. Jesus said we ought to let our light shine so everybody in the house can see. And I believe the church is the change that the world is waiting for. And that's what one prayer is all about. Let's come together. Let's change something. Let's do something for God's glory. And I got a pretty good word for you today. Um, I want to speak on the subject of God's unstoppable power or, or the unstoppable current of the power of Christ. Yeah, I like that title better. Let's go with that. The unstoppable current of the power of Christ or unstoppable power, if you prefer that. And I believe that when I want what God wants for the reasons that God wants it, I'm unstoppable. And I believe the same thing about you. I believe the same thing about your church. When we want what God wants for the reasons that God wants it, we're unstoppable. The unstoppable forcefully advancing, breathing, living, active, radical church of Jesus Christ. And my text today is Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. This is a, a great miracle that that often gets overlooked, kind of tucked away in the book of Acts. It, it follows this very famous passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 42 through 47 where Luke describes how the early church was growing and increasing and exponentially multiplying. And then there's, a, there's an individual encounter between Peter, John, and a beggar. And I want to read it to you, and I want to point out some things. And by the end of our time together today, no matter where you are or what you're going through, whether you're just getting started in your walk with God or whether you've been uh, living for Jesus for 55 years... I believe that God is going to release a fresh surge of His power in your life. I believe that He's going to um, suck you in to a, a, a new dimension, a new stratosphere of His unlimited power in your life. And not only is it going to happen in your life where you work, in your family, at your job... But it's going to happen in your church. I don't think God intended for his church to be weak-kneed and weak-willed and always scared. I don't think he left us on the earth to open up a can of beanie weenies and wait in the basement for the end of the world. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be affecting change everywhere we go. The unstoppable power of God resides in every believer. So I just want to encourage you today. And I pray that God's power would flow to you right where you are. Here's what the Bible says in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. I've heard a lot of sermons preached over the years from the perspective of the beggar at the gate. Those are great sermons and very helpful very applicable to our lives. But I want to preach today more from the perspective of Peter and John. And and I want to help you draw a a connection and make a relation between the power of God that flowed through them and the power of God that flows through you and every single believer. Verse 3, When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. So this is like a Pentecostal church service. They're like moving. It's definitely not a Baptist deal going on. There's movement. There's life. And, and now you got this, You got this man who, who was expecting one thing. God exceeded his ex- expectations through his people. And the testimony of Jesus is about to go forth because of one changed Life. verse 9. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray together. Lord, this is your word. These are your thoughts. Use me to direct your word, your thoughts into the hearts of your people and change our lives all over this world today. Thank you for the privilege of coming together to worship Jesus. Now do something awesome and unforgettable in our lives. Flow to us through your unstoppable, unlimited power. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can say amen right where you are too. Amen. 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 Sounds good. First thing I want to point out about this miracle is where it happened. I think there's something to be said for the fact that the miracle happened at the temple gate. Because I think we expect for God to do miracles in the church service when the preacher preaches. But I teach our church that the sermon actually starts in the parking lot. And what I mean by that is, it's so important that we as the body of Christ don't just depend on the preacher to do the work of the gospel. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, that God gave preachers and apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers to build up the body of Christ so that the body of christ could do the work of the ministry and isn't it interesting in this passage how the miracle happened before the sermon ever started peter and john are going to church the men sitting at the gate doing his thing and all of a sudden the power of god flows through ordinary men at the gate now at our church we have like A couple thousand volunteers. They are the most amazing people on the planet. If you come to Elevation Church, you will be greeted. You will be greeted again. You will be over greeted and super saturated with the love of Christ. Our goal is to aggressively ambush you and assault you with the love of Jesus. So we've got like children's ministry experts and people in the parking lot, parking cars. We got You know uh, small group leaders and I don't know at your church exactly what all the volunteer opportunities are But I I do want to point out that no matter who you are where you are or what god has gifted you to do It's possible that god could use you to perform a miracle in someone's life before the sermon ever starts It's possible that god has positioned you where he's positioned you in your particular church Not only so you can spectate and be blessed but so that you can participate and be a blessing I want to speak to all of you today who are just attending church. It is not God's will for you to sit and soak the power of God. You are to be a conduit of the very power in the life of God. And that looks like different things in different places. Um, Maybe you don't have a a gift to be able to sing or, or to preach. But Peter and John didn't preach. They didn't sing. They simply reached down, touched somebody, and the healing power of God flowed. I challenge all of you at all of our One Prayer churches to take a good, hard look at your life today. Are, are you making yourself available for God to use you outside the temple gate? Are, are you making yourself available for God to use you a, as, a, as a conduit, a channel of His blessing? We have a saying we say at our church, and I want you to, I want you to try it out at all of our One Prayer churches. So you're actually going <clears> to <throat> say this out loud after me. Okay, go ahead and participate. Um, get the person next to you. Go ahead and tap them on the shoulder and tell them you better participate. You better participate. I want you to say this out loud. Say, I am, I am a connector, a connector to, the to the current of the power of Christ. Of the power of Christ. Whew, that's, that's, a, that's a powerful reality. You are a connector to the current of the power of Christ. Man, I was, I was in my office one day and I walked out to take a little study break and there was a volunteer that was greeting somebody at the front of our offices. And I overheard this volunteer. She sounded real sharp. She was helping the person and welcoming the person and directing the person. And then the person asked, what do you do here at Elevation Church? And the lady said something that really got on my nerves, and I never forgot it. And, um, and I think it's something that should be banished from... Every Christian's vocabulary. I don't think you should ever say something like this if you're a part of the Church of Jesus Christ. The, the lady says, "Oh, I'm just a volunteer," and man, I wanted to like, I wanted to like pop out and, and and make my presence known, and I wanted to tell that lady, "Don't you ever relegate yourself to the realm of just a volunteer? Are you crazy? Just a volunteer?" You're not just a volunteer. If you belong to Jesus, you're not just uh, anything. Jesus didn't die so you could be a justa. Jesus died so you could be a connector to the current of the power of Christ. Just a volunteer... Some of you see yourself as just a church member. Oh, I'm just an usher. Oh, I'm just a giver. Oh, I'm just on the prayer team. You're not just anything. In Jesus, you have everything. And you're something special for the glory of God. You're a connector to the current of the power of Christ. You represent the unlimited God of the universe. Don't mean you're just a volunteer. You're just a member. <laughs> In, in, in my life, it's, it's, very, it's very difficult from time to time uh, to, to try to do what God has called me to do in the face of, of my limited resources and ability. I mean, I'm a really young person. I'm a 30-year-old pastor. I started this church when I was 25. Me and about seven other families launched out trusting God. We had no funding, no experience and no really good strategic plan. And we had a lot of faith. And God has really blessed our church. God has really done amazing things. But I've noticed that it's always started really small with just a simple act of faith and obedience. When we think of the power of God, the unstoppable power of God, the unstoppable church of Jesus Christ, the images that come to our mind are often really, really big. And we think spotlights and and we think Huge budgets and you know in in our in our daily lives It's easy to start thinking about all the things we would do if we had blank um, It's easy to start making excuses in this passage The the man was expecting the Apostles to give him some money He expected to get something from them verse 5 says and I, And I wonder you know, I just can't help but make this this comparison. What are people expecting when they come to our churches each and every weekend all over the world? I'm afraid that in the church in America, sadly, a lot of times, the answer is not much. Not much. Like, I'm afraid that that we've relegated church services to something so normal that a lot of times... Um, People show up, and they're not expecting very much at all. And what I believe about the unstoppable power of God flowing through the lives of ordinary believers like me and you is that our unlimited, unstoppable God will enable us to exceed every expectation. See, he was expecting some money from these men, but they didn't have any money, at least not right now. I don't know if they were broke or if they just weren't carrying any cash, conveniently. But they had no money at the time. And it would have been very easy for them to stop there. That's the place where, where most of us stop when God is calling us to do something, when God is calling us to, to, to serve, when God is calling us to make a difference, when He's calling us to contribute. Our minds um, initially begin to think about what we don't have. And and so you're sitting there today and everything I'm saying sounds good and, and it's exciting to you that God could use you. but But look, um, I, I don't have much money, preacher, or I don't have many gifts, or I don't have many skills. Well, the question I would ask you is, what do you have? What can you give? Because when you give God all that you have, that's all that He needs. All that you have is all that He needs to do everything He wants to do through your life. And this this isn't just for our churches. I mean, this is for your your day-to-day life. Why limit the potential of your future based on resources you don't have when the only resource that really matters, the unlimited supply of the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. You, you hear this expression a lot of times that we should think outside the box and and people use that to describe creativity and innovation, you know, we need as a church to think outside the box about reaching people and we need to figure out new ways and innovative ways. And I agree with all of that. And I think the church should be the most creative entity on the planet because we represent the creator of all things creative. But, but I, I want to I suggest to you today that it's not always a good thing to think outside the box. See, the, the box, and, and in this case, I'm, I mean, when I say box, I'm, I'm using the box to represent the, the limitations in your life. Like, I don't know if it's a family situation. I don't know if it's a lack of time. I don't know if it's a lack of education. I don't know if you have a sinful past and you feel like you're not good enough for God to love you and use you. I don't know what your box is. But when we think outside the box, we waste all of our energy and all of our time thinking of all the ways we would serve God if, all all the things God could do through us, if, if only I hadn't lost my virginity early in life then God could really use my life as an example of His grace. If only I hadn't gone through that divorce, then maybe I could step up and be used by God to make a difference in the lives of the people around me. Thinking outside the box about what we would do if we could, I believe that the unstoppable power of God is strongest inside the box. When you start with what you have, yes, I've made mistakes. No, I'm not perfect. Yes, I have limitations. No, I'm not good at some things, but there are some things that God has made me good at. There are some things I can do. There are some ways that I can serve. There is something I have to give. I want to challenge you today, like Peter and John, don't stop with, what you don't have, silver and gold, I have none. But such as I have, the old King James Version of the Bible says, I give unto you. In Jesus' name, get up and walk. I might not have money, but I've got a hand. And I will reach down with what I have, and I will give you all I have. And when God's everything connects to my little bit, it really, it really becomes something. You've got to think inside the box. I remember one time in the Bible, Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21, Jesus had been ministering all day. And there was this big crowd and they were hungry and they were tired and the disciples wanted to send the people away so they could get something to eat. And Jesus looked, looked at them square in the eye and said, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. To which they responded with an out-of-the-box reply. We have here only five loaves and two fish. What are we going to do with five loaves and two fish? There are 5,000 men and women and children. What are we going to do with this little bit? And I love what Jesus said to his disciples. I believe it's the same thing that he would say to me and you, the same thing that Peter and John knew that made them able to become a connector to the current of the unlimited power of Christ. Jesus said, bring them to me. Bring them to me. The question isn't, what don't you have, what can't you do? It's, will you give Jesus what you have so he can do what only he can do? And when you do what you can do, I believe he'll do what only he can do. I was trying to think of an example of this from my own life. And I started thinking back to when my my dad used to coach my Little League baseball team. And I've got some great memories. Um... Pretty fun. I'm from a small town in in South Carolina, and um, and literally baseball is pretty competitive, pretty serious business around around my town, and uh, and my dad had no experience coaching baseball. He never played baseball. My dad did not have a father growing up, but he really wanted to coach his son's baseball team, so. He decided he would just uh, give it everything that he had, and he wrote, read all these books on baseball. I remember he like had a, a a library, a baseball library, by his recliner that he would he would study every night. And uh, and one year in particular, I think this was about the second or the third year that he coached my team. We just we were very 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 bad. Uh, we happened to be exceedingly terrible. And um, and and I remember about halfway through the preseason, my dad. I think gave up on the hope that we were going to win any games or that we were going to be any good. But he was studying his baseball library one night and he, I think he had this uh, revelation uh, because he, he discovered the power of the bunt. Now, for those of you who don't know anything about baseball, bunting just means you take, you take the bat. And you stand there in front of the plate, and if you can just make contact with the baseball and lay the bunt down, you know a lot of times it's used in in baseball to advance somebody from first base to second base. And maybe in your part of the world baseball isn't a big deal, but I'm telling you, baseball is a great sport for a non-athletic white boy like me because you can you can master some fundamentals and 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 do a do a pretty decent job. And um and my dad decided that he couldn't teach everybody on the team to hit, but he could teach everybody to bunt. And so, literally for, for, for weeks, and I was talking to him about this the other day, I called him, I was like, dad, um, remember when you made the whole team bunt all year? And he was like, yeah, dude, that was awesome. He was like, cause you guys are so terrible. And I was like, yeah, I know, but we, we actually won some games, didn't we? He said, yeah, we won a couple. And, uh, he said, it's all cause of the bunt. And I was like, yeah, it's all about the bunt. And, uh, so we started reliving it. I, I'll never forget, my, my dad had this rule, that you weren't allowed to swing your baseball bat until you had at least bunted the ball once in every game. So they made fun of us. I mean, all the other teams would laugh at us because, I mean, they'd be looking at us from the other dugout and they'd look over and they'd be like bunt, bunt, bunt. You know, like, because that's all we were allowed to do. And they laughed at us until we started bunting. And let me tell you something. Even some of the best teams couldn't handle the bunt. They didn't know what to do with the bunt. Because cause the bunt is hard to beat if you know how to do it. I mean, we, we couldn't swing very well. We didn't have much natural talent. We were like the bad news bears. But we learned how to bunt. And I'll never forget, we were playing like the best team in the league. The coach's name was Far- Farmer Brown. That's what we called him. And he was very, very, he, he was like one of these really cruel coaches who would run run up the score on you. And we had been dreading playing him. I remember my dad gave us this little um, pep talk before we went out on the field. He said, boys, you know, this team, they're better than you. They're bigger than you. They're stronger than you. But they don't know how to handle the bunt. And we're going to bunt on them all night long. So you just get out there and you bunt the ball. Well, we went out and we bunted the ball. And I'll never forget that night, I actually hit a home run with the bunt I bunted a home run I went all around the bases and I was reminiscing with my dad I was like Dad, do you remember when I hit the home run with the bunt? He was like, yeah, that's the time that I got so excited. They almost kicked me out of the game. I was coming out of the, uh, dugout. My dad said, and you got to picture this. He's like this big guy running out of the dugout. And he said, I came out of the, 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 um, the dugout and I started yelling, what you going to do with the bunt? What you going to do with the bunt? And they almost kicked me off the field. And I was like, oh, that's so embarrassing. I'm so glad I didn't know that at the time, but they couldn't stop the bunt. We, we couldn't swing. We weren't good at anything, but we learned how to keep our eye on the ball and make contact. And I'm going to tell you, there's power in the bunt. You know what I think? I think you need to learn the power of the bunt in your personal life. I, I think you need to learn how to stop waiting for God's power to flow through you in some miraculous, sky-splitting, Red Sea parting kind of way, and just starting your day-to-day life with what you have, um, with with the resources God has given you, with the personality that you have, with your weaknesses and everything. Just just get out in front of the plate and say, God, it isn't much, but I'm going to keep my eye on the ball And if you want me to bunt the ball, I'll bunt the ball. If you just want me to serve, I'll serve. If you want me to give the little bit that I do have, I'll give it. If you want me to speak a kind word, I'll speak a kind word. Quit telling God what you don't have and start offering Him what you do have. And watch as His unlimited power flows through your life. Say it again. I am am a connector connector to the current of the power of Christ. And when I do all I can with all that I have, God will do the part that only He can do. And may the unstoppable power of the current of Jesus Christ flow through your life, into the lives of your children, into the lives of the people that you work with, into the lives of your communities as your church starts offering God inside of your box what you do have. May He multiply your fish and loaves. May He do according to Ephesians 3.20, exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or imagine, according to His power. Whose power? His power that works mightily in you. At all of our one prayer churches, let's clap our hands for the unstoppable power of Jesus Christ.